1: you ever walked through your house with a kitchen knife to make sure that there's no murderers hiding in it because you left a door unlocked by accident
2: yes I have actually I've also slept all night with a knife beside my bed (gasps) multiple times I've done that too
1: yeah (laughs)
2: and it's not even like I heard anything it's just I was alone and afraid and Cosmo is the worst dog of life he actually he heard something outside the other day and Mm -hmm. came running in the bedroom and basically hid under the covers like that's that was his move like that's what he did he was just like okay please go check so that's what I'm working with over here
1: (laughs) oh my god um I slept with a knife beside my bed maybe like a year ago because I was scared I think it was the same situation. Someone left the door unlocked, and I came home, and I was like, oh, no. So I fell asleep, and I left it on the on Stephen's nightstand, and also he had had a bandana on his nightstand for some reason. My sister came to visit the next day and saw them on the nightstand and was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And then took a video of it and posted it on her Snapchat and her TikTok. Oh. So. And, and I was like, do some serious
2: role playing over here.
1: <laughs> I was like, I swear I'm super vanilla. This is just in case of murderers.
2: <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Well, welcome back, guys, to Paranormal. Yeah. I'm Nicolina. Paranormal. I'm Marie. And uh, we are <laughs> your non investigative um, potty mouth podcast. Um, yes. And we, yeah, we have an explicit rating for a reason. We do swear on this show. So. Stop yeah. right now if you don't want to hear any swearing. And yeah.
1: um, that's that's just my intro for today. Yeah. Again, non-investigative. Just want to make that very clear. <laughs> but still true stories. They're still true ghost stories. So They are. Anyway. Um, anyway. Do you want
2: to just jump right into horoscopes? Yeah, let's jump right into horoscopes. And,
1: okay. uh, uh you want to do my first? Yeah, I'll do yours. Okay. Here we go if someone tries to criticize you Leo don't be afraid to defend yourself other people aren't going to be afraid to speak their minds and you shouldn't either you may feel like someone is prodding you with a stick they probably just want to get some sort of reaction out of you be honest about how you feel and explain your statements instead of just being curt um yeah that's actually
2: kind of crazy um I would say that at work you know there's a lot of um being on a marketing team there's a lot of feedback that comes through and sometimes you know um people need to criticize in order to ensure that you're uh, sure of what you're doing sometimes and I I understand that but it so sometimes you just have to if you do know what you're doing um I have to be prepared to explain and justify myself when that criticism or not even criticism I would just say feedback comes through uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: basically in saying that I understand why you're questioning me however f- for these reasons this is I I've done this correctly or right. I've I've investigated this correctly or whatever I presented is has been done the way it should be according to X Y and C. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of that, I would say this week at work. So that's interesting. Good. Okay. Good one. Good Um, one. Good one. So for you, uh, you're becoming much more perceptive, Gemini. At the same time, your psyche and unconscious knowing are also more acute. You may find that you know more about the way someone feels than the person does. More than likely, this sort of perceptive is causing you to want to take aggressive action in order to shake people up and help them open their own eyes to the situation at hand.
1: Um, I'd say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a, just like a work thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I don't want to like get too into it, but um, sure. Yeah, there's just some work stuff too, where I'm like l- looking at things and I'm going, "Well, no, like no wonder why this is happening." Uh, right, it's right. Because of you just want this, people this and to and see. It. Right. Yeah. Right. Like um,
2: this is clearly the reason why.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd say Shit's yeah. going down. I would say cool. that yes, that is an accurate horoscope for me this time. Cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I guess we can jump right into the stories. Yeah, let's tell them the theme. Cause
2: yeah. So I want to give a little bit of context. Okay, so we did nice. ask, uh, we did put out a poll. Um, well, our intern, Mary, put out a poll regarding um, stories that they wanted us to cover. Unfortunately, none of those stories aligned, but one of those stories was about exorcism related stuff so Mm -hmm. i was like you know let's let's do to start a like a famous exorcism episode um just because i don't think we've done one for a very long time and yeah so
1: yeah i actually don't think we've ever done one so
2: yeah i think we've done exorcism
1: related stories but but never stories and stuff yeah Yeah, but not like specifically famous exorcisms so I was excited but also afraid (laughs) yeah they're pretty crazy crazy. and unfortunately like my
2: story it's really compelling however it's not very long there wasn't a lot of stories like all the stories had the same information about it yeah it was from 1906 so it's not like anyone got interviewed about this in recent years yeah Um, everyone related to it is more than likely deceased so it basically (laughs) stopped Right after, like all the information stopped. Pretty much a few years after this occurred, right. um, so I did my best in terms of uh, cultivating enough info. But mine's pretty pretty quick. So That's fine. Hopefully, I think yours is a little bit more. It's
1: a little bit more. more mine also took place in the early nineteen hundreds, but it's a bit. It's a little bit meaty. I'd say medium mm-hmm. thick. <laughs> medium thick. I really like
2: liquids that are medium thick
1: i'm so glad you understood that okay. yep
2: <laughs> okay um, so
1: all right so you go first yeah so i'm gonna yeah. do the um exorcism of anna ecklund and anna ecklund is a pseudonym uh i'm not going to use her real name even though it is out there if you want to look it up you can uh but she went by a pseudonym for a reason so i'm calling her anna ecklund and uh i got my information from um a blog called husheduphistory.com and I got a few anecdotes from wikipedia but this article was so good I really only needed the one article and pretty much um it's just going to be me retelling the article so get ready cuz this is a goodie so mm-hmm. in 1928 anna ecklund was approximately 46 years old and she was living in wisconsin when it happened again The voices were haunting. As much as she wanted to, she could not enter a church. Her thoughts were increasingly intrusive, and the nervousness was growing stronger. Now she was in a Franciscan uh, convent just outside of Earling, Iowa, with her arms bound and a small team of nuns making sure she could not leave the iron bed that she was resting on. They offered her food, but she refused, seething with anger. She knew that they had blessed it before giving it to her. She wanted nothing more than to tear them apart, and the very sight of them infuriated her. Then he arrived, a priest from Wisconsin that had arranged this whole ordeal. This was not their first meeting. The two had met two years earlier in June of 1912 when he performed Anna's first exorcism. Anna was born in 1882 in Marathon, Wisconsin. We don't know much about her parents, but we do know that her mom died around 1890 and she left Anna in the clutches of her abusive and alcoholic father. Anna was a very devout Catholic, but suddenly at the age of 14, she found herself unable to enter a church without violent thoughts entering her mind. She was consumed with ideas of smashing the holy water fonts and harming the priests. She couldn't bring herself to receive communion, and all consecrated items caused revulsion. Soon, she simply couldn't even enter a church at all. She was being held back by interior hidden powers. When a local church got involved in helping the tormented woman, they contacted Father Theopolis Riesinger. Father Riesinger was born in Germany in 1899 and when he was 20 he joined the Capuchins which was a branch of the Franciscan order. He immigrated to the United States and he was practicing in New York City and then he moved to the Midwest in 1912 and this the same year like his first year in the Midwest was when he would perform Anna's first exorcism. So Father Riesinger's first exorcism on her was uh, considered a successful exorcism. She was able to return to normal life, but not for very long. By the time Anna and Father Riesinger met for the second time, she claims that she hadn't experienced a day of peace in decades. In that same amount of time, Father Riesinger went from his first exorcism to becoming the go-to name for exercising demons with 19 successful exorcisms that he had uh, completed so why didn't the results of the first exorcism last when Anna was first possessed she claimed that it was the result of curses that had been put on her by her dad and her aunt Mina who was widely regarded to be a witch and who had allegedly placed curses on her and put cursed herbs in her food so by the time of her second exorcism, both of them were dead, but apparently their spirits were still tormenting her and ushering demonic forces into her body and mind. Mind. Almost two decades after the first exorcism, he knew what he was walking into and he knew that he needed to prepare for it. So when he was again called to remove the demons from Anna, he was preaching in St. Joseph's Parish in Earling, Iowa. There was a reverend named Joseph Steger, and he was an old friend of Father Riesinger. And Father Riesinger had asked him for his assistance with performing the new exorcism on Anna. And he asked Father Steger or Reverend Steger, like, hey, can we do the exorcism at your parish? Um, Father Steger had been hesitant, but the location of Eerling did have like a lot of advantages for the exorcism. So one of them was that there was a Catholic church and a convent where Anna could stay during the process. The town was really quiet. There was only a few hundred people that lived there, but it was really close to the city of Des Moines and there was a major railway to support her traveling to the location and because the convent was so secluded it meant that the exorcism could be performed in relative secrecy and it could keep Anna as anonymous as possible. It was also hoped that being away from home would lessen the power of the demonic forces but almost immediately it became clear that the distance did not make a difference. So Anna arrived in Earling, Iowa on August 18th, 1928 and she later stated that she was almost immediately filled with rage. When she arrived at the convent she wanted to attack the nuns uh, that were waiting for her and when they brought her food she knew immediately that they had blessed it before they even came into the room. She wouldn't eat, she wouldn't drink, and she would just sit in her room. She would like make these purring animal noises and basically just waited for for Father Reisinger to get there. When he did get there um, he met Father Steger. They started the journey to the convent in his personal car, but the vehicle wouldn't accelerate to full speed. And this inconvenience did not surprise Father Riesinger as he stated to Father Steger, quote, my dear friend, I was not wrought up about it at all. I would have been much more surprised if everything had gone smoothly. Difficulties will arise. They must be expected to arise. The devil will try his utmost to foil our plans while waiting. I prayed constantly that the evil spirit would not be able to harm you as I suspected that he would try to interfere with your coming. Yeah, that he would try to injure you personally." End quote. The first session started the same day. Anna was put on an iron bed with her clothing and sleeves tied down to prevent her from breaking free. The strongest nuns in the convent were on hand to assist and they held her down. And as soon as Father Riesinger began speaking, her eyes tightly shut and she became unconscious but soon chaos ensued according to reports from inside the convent Anna was able to dislodge herself from the bed she threw herself high up on a wall and had to be forced back down then the screaming started howling piercing wretched screaming tore through the covenant walls as father or sorry tore through the convent walls as father Riesinger commanded that they cease with quote, silence Satan, keep quiet, you infamous reprobate, end quote. Then the voices began, screeching, bellowing voices that answered Father Riesinger's questioning in English, German, and Latin. They claimed to be multiple entities, including Beelzebub, Judas, and the spirit of Anna's father and aunt, all intent on torturing her. The difficult process injured for three sessions, first from August 18th to the 26th, then again on September 13th to the 20th, and then the last one was December 15th to the 23rd. The demons and Father Riesinger continued back and forth. They were battling each other. They were draining the energy and life from everyone in the convent, and Anna continuously vomited impossible amounts of rancid bile and liquid filled with what appeared to be chewed tobacco leaves, even though she wasn't consuming anything except for very small amounts of milk and water. Her body became distorted. It was expanding, contracting, and twisting as she continued to rage and emit voices delivering information about people who were in the room that she had no way of knowing this information about them. The only person who was able to withstand the daily torture of exercising her was Father Riesinger, who was present in the room every day while the nuns rotated the attendance in shifts in order to like recharge their batteries every day. Right. Every couple hours. Um, over time, Father Steaker grew really regretful of allowing the exorcism to happen in his parish and when he voiced his opinion that the ritual should be stopped and moved somewhere else, Father Riesinger reacted with surprise and told him that his second thoughts uh, were the devil put, was the devil putting them into his head and that the devil was trying to drive a wedge between two friends. Also, the demons had an opinion on Father Steger's change of heart and they yelled out to him, just wait until the end of the week when Friday comes. When that Friday came, Father Steger was involved in a car accident while he was on his way to visit a sick woman. He survived the wreck with minor injuries, but for the following weeks, he couldn't sleep at night because of a constant stream of unearthly sounds that only stopped briefly in response to his prayers. For weeks, it seemed like the efforts of Father Riesinger were going to have no effects on the demons that were living inside of Anna, but then on December 15th, the intensity of the evil began to... Wayne. at 9 p.m on december 23rd 1928 months after the exorcism started anna suddenly leapt up from her bed assuming this was just another incident the nuns at hand moved to wrestle her back down but instead she fell back and began softly muttering beelzebub judas jacob mina hell 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 a few minutes later anna suddenly regained consciousness her eyes flew open and she stated to her stunned audience, quote, from what a terrible burden I have been freed at last. My Jesus mercy praised be Jesus Christ, end quote. It slowly dawned on the people who were present that after so many weeks of torture, Anna was again herself and the exorcism did work. The exorcism of Anna was meant to stay under wraps. The nuns that had endured the ordeal ended up all requesting to be transferred and they were all relocated within a year's time. Father Riesinger continued preaching and exercising until he died in November in 1941. And by all accounts, Anna was able to resume a perfectly normal life. She continued to be a practicing, devout Catholic. She never was again tormented by demons. And the account might have been lost to history forever if it wasn't for a man named Reverend Carl Vogel, who gathered eyewitness accounts of the exorcism, and he published them under the title "Begone, Satan. Originally, it was written in German and then it was published in English in 1935. It's a 48 page pamphlet and it was printed to encourage those of strong faith to continue to give battle to the evil one. Consisting of full dialogues between Father Riesinger and the demons and eyewitness accounts from the witnesses, that's the same as eyewitness accounts. Uh- <laughs> The story of the exorcism of Anna quickly garnered attention from widespread news media, including Time Magazine. Given the extreme nature of the story, there has been debate over the validity of the possession of Anna. Eyewitness accounts swear to its accuracy with Father Steger's housekeeper's, uh, like her quote about the whole ordeal. And so what she said was, I was a witness to almost the whole period of the exorcism of the earling possession, and I can truthfully say that the facts mentioned in Be Gone Satan are correct. Some of the scenes were even more frightful than were described in the booklet. There is not the slightest doubt in my mind that the devils were present, and I will never forget the horrible scenes, vile, filthy, and dirty as long as I live, end quote. And that is the story of The Exorcism of Anna Eklund. Thank oh. you.
2: I didn't know that story at all and Neither. it's crazy what like the parallels between these stories are oh like. yeah yeah I mean I know that in general there are certain symptoms of someone who was possessed by a demon but I didn't realize that there was like a li- like literature about this that yeah. people have actually documented like these are the signs and symptoms of an exorcism versus a yeah. uh, sorry of a, a someone demon Possession. possessed versus someone who is just like gone insane yeah um so I'm actually gonna I've included that in my story because I Ooh. thought it was really interesting it, the parallels between what typically like has been documented and what these people or this specific person has experienced before I get into that story I did want to mention that um I did mention like two episodes ago about Rebels and um, com. so I I'm going to add the link to their website to all of our um show notes because i mentioned it and i didn't add it which was silly of me so if anyone wanted to go check them out their um treats for the bath balms And, uh, they have a lot of cute things and really affordable, um, little trinkets. And we're going to be doing a giveaway as soon as we get, um, some of the items, which probably Mm -hmm. will take a month or two to get here, but we will be doing a giveaway for that. So I'll be adding rebelsandrouge.com to the show notes so that you guys can go check it out.
1: Perfect. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and then before we actually get into your story, I just want to talk again about that podcast that we talked about last episode called Spooked, which is on the Sonar Network. It's an improvised scary story podcast where it's never scary and sometimes there's a story. Every Monday, hosts Damien Depping and Cody Crane are joined by a special guest to talk about the paranormal and do a little bit of improv. Past guests include Janet Varney, Larry Hankin, and Christian Brunn. So grab your friends, get a blankie, and get ready to be spooked. You can subscribe at thesonarnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And
2: I've added that on our show notes as well um, for all of our episodes for this month. So you can go quickly check that out um, on our show notes. So now I am going to get into my exorcism. And it is about a woman named or a girl named Clara Germaina Sile, who was a South African Christian girl and in 1906 was said to be possessed by a demon. The events of this story has been have been passed down over many generations and some of them remain unclear. So she is said to have been possessed when she was 16 years old and um, At a school that was either called St. Michael's Mission in Natal, South Africa, or Marion Hill Mission in Umzinto, South Africa. So I guess it's possible that someone just confused the two locations or the two schools and then just assumed her location based on whatever school they thought she went to. So... We're not we're not that sure. And regardless, um, the girl was entrusted to one of these schools as an orphan at around four or five years old. She was of African origin and had been baptized as an infant. Um, So we can assume that she probably came from a Catholic family upbringing before becoming an orphan. However, by the age of sixteen, the girl had apparently made a pact with Satan, which was the ultimate cause of her demonic possession.
1: Terrible. The story
2: go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The story goes that one day in 1906, Father Erasmus Horner came to hear a strange and troubling confession from a 16 year old Catholic student named Clara Germina Sile. She claimed to have made a pact with the devil, a pact that is still unknown exactly what she wanted or what he wanted from her to this day. The girl was known by the nuns as an ordinary if somewhat unpredictable young black girl who had been orphaned by her parents as an infant and attended the school since the age of four upon her confession it was quickly disregarded by the school however in the following weeks clara began engaging in erratic behavior behavior that graduated to insane levels on august 20th 1906 One startled sisters at the school witnessed Clara tearing at her clothes, growling like an animal, and engaging in conversation with seemingly invisible beings. At one point, she is reported to have said, Sister, please call Father Erasmus. I must confess and tell everything, but quick, quick, or Satan will kill me. He has me in his power. Nothing blessed is with me. I have thrown away all the medals you gave me. And later, you have betrayed me. You have promised me days of glory, but now you treat me cruelly. Which, if true, sounds as if she possibly made a pact that would have given her a life of maybe happiness and success. Mm -hmm. And now the devil or Satan was delivering, was not delivering on his promise. And the demon had now taken over and making her life basically a living hell. Right. Um. So before I get into her specific symptoms, I thought I would summarize what experts consider symptoms of physical demonic possession versus a natural disease. So some symptoms which are sometimes mistaken are overwhelming feelings of ecstasy, epileptic seizures, uh, lethargy, insanity, a frantic state of mind, and other similar conditions. Convulsions and uh stupendous body movements should not be assumed to be demonic possession. These sorts of symptoms could stem from purely natural causes or could be partially assisted by the devil. Primary symptoms of true possession include, one, the knowledge of secret things, for example, being able to predict the future, find lost people or things, or know complex things that one has never learned, for example, medicine. It is said that fortune tellers often ask a spirit for help and that this spirit gives them certain powers. In that case, the evil spirit is assisting but not necessarily possessing the person's body. Mm. Two, the knowledge of languages no one has ever learned. Just as the devil can bind one's tongue, it is reported from the early church as well as the time of the Reformation that certain demon-possessed people could speak languages they never learned. Three, supernatural strength, far beyond what they previously had or should have considering their sex and size. Much caution in judging demon possession is required. All of the circumstances and symptoms must be taken into consideration, and insanity should not be confused with possession. But on the other hand, possession may be taking place even when these symptoms are absent, which is likely why it wasn't until Clara was fully possessed that she felt compelled to confess. Um, Because basically, she probably didn't really realize what was occurring until it went too far. Right. So with that said, the following includes some accounts of Clara's bizarre outbursts and behaviors. Some say that she could... suddenly speak fluently in languages previously unfamiliar to her. Some claim that the possessed girl tore off all her clothes and made noises unlike unlike any beast of the earth, that she would regularly levitate, and that her skin boiled on contact with holy water. Occasionally, she is even said to have tried to strangle priests. So, in an account written by a nun, Clara was said to be able to speak languages of which she had no previous knowledge. This fact was also witnessed by others... Who recorded that she understood Polish, German, French, Norwegian, and basically all other languages that she oh, heard. Shit. Yeah. The nun reported that Clara demonstrated clairvoyance by revealing the most intimate secrets and transgressions of people who she had no contact with.
1: Oh my God.
2: Yeah. So she was just like airing out all these people's baggage like, oh no, God. like, no big deal. Sorry. I think
1: that's kind of funny.
2: Um, I'm just
1: picturing somebody being like, you shit your overalls on your way to church once to me. <laughs> totally, totally. I guess um, it's not a secret now.
2: <laughs> moreover, Clara could not bear the presence of blessed objects and seemed overcome with extraordinary strength and ferocity, often hurling nuns about the convent rooms and beating them up. That is, I don't know why
1: that's the most terrifying image to me out of this entire thing.
2: (laughs) The nun reported that the girl's cries had a savage bestiality that astonished those around her. In regards to the girl's voice, an attending nun even wrote, "...no animal had ever made such sounds, neither the lions of East Africa nor the angry bulls. At times it sounded like a herd of wild beasts orchestrated by Satan had formed a hellish choir." So that's what a nun specifically wrote about the noises she was making. Jesus. Additionally, the girl, according to some, was said to have levitated at least five feet in the air, sometimes vertically and sometimes horizontally. Vert, oh my God, imagine <laughs> what? Imagine. <laughs> that is terrifying. It was claimed that only after being sprinkled with holy water that she would be brought back down, during which time she would also temporarily snap out of her possessed state. Hmm. Others also claimed that the young woman had the ability to transform into sort of a snake-like creature, her body becoming as flexible as rubber as she slithered across the floor. At one point she is said to have bitten a nun on the arm and left puncture marks like
1: those of a serpent's fangs. I would pay money to see a video of her slithering across the floor. Isn't that nuts? Oh my God.
2: So, according to a Lutheran pastoral handbook, one possessing these sim- symptoms is an indication that an individual is truly possessed oh, oh, rather than suffering. <laughs> rather than suffering from a mental illness as described earlier (laughs) so after it was determined that claire met the criteria for demonic possession her confessor father horner and another priest reverend Masuti, were cleared to perform an exorcism on the girl on september 11th 1906 the ritual was performed lasting on and off for two days During the exorcism, Clara allegedly knocked a holy bible from one of the priest's hands and attempted to strangle him with his stole. The next morning, the rites were administered once again, with the possessing demon supposedly departing Clara's body after telling the priest he would signal his exit by an act of levitation, which occurred in front of an audience of around 170 people in the Mission Chapel, during which her skin burned when touched by holy water, and her body levitated before the witnesses. There, the priest asserted that Clara had been cleared of the devil's influence. However, In January 1907, Clara claimed to have made another pact with the devil. Clara, why are you doing this? (laughs) We fixed it for you. What are you doing? Right? And another exorcism was performed that lasted another two days. I just don't understand.
1: He didn't give you what you wanted the first time, and that was your whole complaint. You You confessed because you didn't get what you wanted. And now... (laughs) Yeah. She's done it
2: again. Okay. <laughs> so this second time after the demon departed, witnesses reported that the air became filled with an overpower an overpoweringly foul smell, and um, that was the last time any supernatural disturbances were reported in the case of Clara Germana Sile. So they say that for nearly six years Clara lived a demonic possession free life until she died in 1912 from heart failure at age 22 and the history has basically like has lost track or forgotten Clara and some versions of this story so um don't really know for sure but I mean her life wasn't that long afterwards so there's not really much to say
1: well Clara I I mean fool me once fool you
2: twice i mean two
1: two exorcisms will take the will take a toll on someone
2: (laughs) you would yeah no kidding jeez louise but like i wonder what compelled her to just like be like you know what i gotta try
1: this again right like i don't get (laughs) i just don't i don't that's fine whatever to each their own but (laughs) to each their own (laughs) but you're totally right fool me once (laughs) You. shame on fool you me fool twice. me twice shame three on me, on me. <laughs> fool me three times that's shame on me again
2: uh yeah totally <laughs> All right. so yeah I thought that that one was like the fact that I didn't read yours or know about yours and yeah. like there's so many similarities
1: there yeah for sure I liked the part where you described the difference between like what the signs of a demonic possession and something that's not a demonic possession an actual like an affliction yeah yeah Yeah. good job wild thanks
2: um so on that note i think we're gonna do some aries fuck mary kills because we're in aries season
1: yeah famous aries i've got i've got three lined up and ready for you i've got six just in case you pick the same ones as me (laughs) okay so i've got paul
2: Uh, rudd okay yep he's off my list okay zach braff okay and Pharrell. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um I am going to marry Paul Rudd. hmm I am going to kill Zach Braff. hmm And I'm going to sleep with Pharrell. These are the correct answers. This is Those are the that is the class. correct answer. This is exactly what I would do. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um I'd love to know a poll on this, what people think we would
1: have done. We can Perfect. put one up on our From Instagram that. or we'll have Mary. Yeah. We'll have Mary. On Instagram do that. Stories. Mary. You got this. Yeah, girl. Okay.
2: <laughs> I've got three as well.
1: So, mm-hmm.
2: Kira Knightley. Okay. Elton John.
1: hmm. Akon. Okay. So, I'm going to kill Akon. I thought we um. were going to do that. I thought that was too easy. <laughs> I'll marry Elton John and I'll have sex with Kira Knightley. That makes sense.
2: Yeah, that's the that's so. also the right answer. Absolutely.
1: Okay, can I swap out Akon with Lady Gaga? Ooh, that's really tough. Now, um, okay, yeah, you can swap it. Then I'm gonna say, kill Kira Knightley, marry Ooh. Elton John, and. Have sex with Lady Gaga. You can't live without okay. Tiny Dancer. Who are you? No, you can't. You can't. I, no one's killing Elton John.
2: No one's killing Elton John.
1: What about you? If it was Gaga, Kira, and
2: Elton? I'd probably kill Gaga and have sex with Kira. Okay. And marry Elton John. I your decision. I respect Thank your you. decision. Thank you so much. Well, um, this is the end. This has been
1: another episode of Paranormal. <laughs>
2: um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. and uh, leave us nice comments. Yeah, so that we can share your comments on our on our Instagram and our social media because um, mm-hmm. we love
1: we love to see it. And we've been we've been floating around the idea of switching up our live Q and As with our Patreons. Yeah because um, we were doing monthly Q&As but going to put it out there just wondering how people would feel about joining a live recording of the show like over Zoom or over something like that um, to watch us do an episode over Zoom and be in like the audience like kind of like a live show but obviously as best as we, we can do, it do live in the shows. pandemic yeah. um, we're thinking that might be a bit more fun for our patrons and if you want to be part of that, you can go to patreon.com slash paranormal pod. Um, but yeah, like Nicolina said, if you want to support the podcast in a non-monetary way, the best way to do that would be to go and leave a review for us. Totes. And that's right, it. I well, hope you guys stay, showbiz, spooky. Yeah, <laughs> stay spooky. showbiz,
2: baby. Yeah, stay spooky. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode of Paranormal, we need your help. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on
1: Apple. And if you listen to us on Spotify, go ahead and click the follow button. Even better, you can donate to us on Patreon, where you can access bonus content and members-only merch. To support your favorite spooky duo, go to patreon.com paranormalpod. And for show updates and giveaways, be sure to follow us on Instagram
2: at paranormalpod. And remember, stay, stay spooky! spooky.
1: 18 plus.